hello and welcome back. You're listening to another incredible episode of Inside Soccer. With your host, Bill Peterson. Inside Soccer brings you the soccer fan. Expert analysis and opinion on the critical issues facing the game today. Bill will also bring you guests that have incredible stories and historical perspectives on the game. With soccer experience spanning 20 years, the Rolodex is open to bring you the voices and opinions you want. Sit back and wherever you are in the world, enjoy today's episode. Welcome Inside Soccer listeners from around the globe to Inside Soccer, Episode 9. There's never been a better time to get Inside Soccer and learn from the decision makers and people who have the careers and livelihood tied to this great sport. So much is going on across the globe that affects our little world of soccer, and that's what we're focused on here, like no other podcast. We've only been broadcasting for four weeks, and we've already brought you top U.S. executives, veteran media, gambling experts, Hall of Fame players, supporters groups, and EPL executives. And today we continue that young tradition of bringing you the best in the sport. It's now time to turn our attention to our own domestic league. Uh, the MLS is back, literally, the name of their tournament in Orlando. And uh, they're in the process of uh, getting players to Orlando and, and, and training now and getting ready to play this tournament soon. So it's time to focus on MLS and uh, try to get some better insight as to what's What's going on through the minds of the leaders there and the challenges that they're facing uh, that some of them we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, some I'm sure will be new, but we're very, very proud, very honored uh, to have the president and CEO of Red Bull New York, one of my favorites, Mark de Grand Prix. Mark, welcome to Inside Soccer. Thanks for having me, Bill, and uh, congratulations on uh, the start of your podcast. Yeah, I appreciate that. We're having some fun with it, and uh, you know, it's like it's like some sailors. We're just sort of uh, out to sea, roaming around, and wherever we go, that's where we go. So, uh, same thing here today. Um, you know, as always, I've got a lot more questions, and we have time, but we've uh, committed to about thirty minutes, so we'll try to keep it to that. Uh, and at the Perfect. end, if we need to, we'll do a little quick fire. Um, but uh, the listeners here are getting used to me saying that each time. So anyway, let's get started. Uh, take a minute or two and just uh, introduce yourself to our people and let them know a little bit about your professional background and how you ended up at Red Bull New York. Yeah, no problem, Bill. That's a, it's a great question because I didn't take sort of the, uh, the normal path to becoming an executive in sports, uh, I think, as you know. Um, I started on the uh, product management side. Uh, my first job was with Nike Bauer Hockey. I was a product manager. And then I got my MBA and I uh, was part of the original team that launched Red Bull in North America, the brand, the drink. So built that brand up from uh, 1999 to 2006. And then when the team, uh, Red Bull, decided to buy the Metro Stars, uh, I was lucky enough to be uh, in the New York area at the time, and the owner came in, bought the team from AEG, and he needed someone to go and, and run the club, and he asked me to go do that for him. So I was lucky enough to be there to see the transition, which was an amazing experience, right? We took the Metro Stars. I think the purchase was finalized at the end of February, early May, and we had a game in early April, and our owner wanted the Red Bulls to play uh, 30 days later. So that 30-day sort of experiment of transforming a franchise literally overnight from everything from the ticket stock to the branding in the locker room to the uniforms, everything you know that goes into a, a franchise, 
we did it in 30 days and we had our opener in, in April and it was a success. And then I worked uh, with the soccer team till about uh, the first quarter of 08. And then I decided to go back into the CPG world. And in 2014, uh, Red Bull uh, found me and asked me if I was willing to come back and uh, help uh, grow the, the club again. And uh, I jumped on the opportunity to be back there. So I didn't go through the route of a league, a club, starting through sales and all that, and then climbing my way up. I literally worked through the marketing side and then found my way here. And I've loved every minute of it. But it sounds like that was a great opportunity. I mean, you're coming from a brand marketing position and you're entering into uh, a, a team that's owned by a large marketing group, if you will. You know, now they produce products, mm -hmm. but they're large marketers throughout the throughout the or across the globe. And you're familiar with that and you've got 30 days to do it. So I'm guessing that marketing background came in very, very handy, more so than uh, maybe someone who traveled a traditional route, at least in the early days. Yeah, I think the important piece of my background came into uh, to play really in the early days, right? That 30-day window was to think about how we're going to communicate to the fans, how are we going to appeal to them, right? It was a big company coming in to take over a team that had built a strong uh, fan base over the short years. And I, I think we've been able to win them over by committing to providing them a great experience. And as you know, we were the first ones to build a truly soccer specific stadium in North America. Uh, and that was a big investment on our part, but it was also part of our, our plan to show our fans that we were committing to doing the right thing for the game of soccer in North America. And then we went on to develop our youth training programs and our Academy again, committing to the sport locally. And that helped us sort of win over our fans over the years. And the team has been, I'd say fairly successful since we've bought, uh, since Red Bull bought the team. I mean, I think they've missed the playoffs one year since we bought them and uh, I've won three supporter shields. And uh, it's been a fun ride for sure. It is a beautiful stadium, Harrison, New Jersey. Um, I remember in the early days at AEG sitting through a few meetings and answering some questions, but I, I, I have to be honest, I wasn't really part of that development, but I can remember looking at the plans and thinking, man, this is pretty special. And they sent me out to do a little uh, walk around the site before anything else was there. And that was interesting, but, uh, you know, I'm still waiting for that exit to be put on the road there, but, um, that was, that was not <laughs> supposed to happen, but it is a, it is a beautiful, beautiful building and, yeah. uh, and a great experience. I've, I've been fortunate enough to be there. So share the one or two things that just really surprised or shocked you after you took over the entire team? It's something you just weren't expecting. You're like, holy cow, I didn't know it was going to be like this. I, I was surprised at, at the, um, I think, the concern from our fan base that we would, uh, that we were just buying this club to uh, help promote our brand, right, the product itself. Um, and we re that was probably the hardest challenge we had that we didn't expect. Uh, because truly our owner's vision is to help grow this game, invest in it, and make it one uh, uh, at the same level of the global game, right? You see soccer in Europe, he believes that it could become that in North America, and that's why he's invested in it so much. Uh, so that was one of the big challenges. And number two was engaging ultimately the Metro Stars staff uh, to, to see the good also in this change for them and this opportunity. Um, 
And that was basically working a lot on sort of shifting their mindset and understanding that, you know, we are going to invest for the right reasons. Uh, that was difficult. And getting the stadium done, right, as you talked about, and getting just piles in the ground was a, a monumental task um, that was not uh, for the week. And to, to get there and, and see that happen uh, and then getting the training facility done it's been a, a huge, uh, I guess, satisfying process, but also a challenge over the years. And I think our biggest challenge, as you know, being in Metro New York, it's tough to get people's share of mind, right? When you are uh, a soccer still, it's not at the forefront of the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA. So we're fighting against so many different variables in New York that's unlike any other market in, in, in the country, in the world, I'd say. Uh, between Broadway and everything else that's going on. So it's a really difficult and a fun challenge to to get people interested and excited about the game. And I think we've done a good job over the years getting there. And I see the next, you know, before COVID, obviously, we're seeing this momentum going in the right direction that by the time the World Cup comes to the U.S., it's going to be sort of that tipping point for soccer in North America. And that's that's where we need to be and prepare for that moment. Yeah, those are all great points. And and early on in that uh, in that segment there, you mentioned the fact that there was a lot of people who did not believe that the ownership group was committed to the sport, that this was some sort of marketing play. And I know for those of us on the periphery, like you know, there's a lot better ways to spend your money than this. If if the, if you're only interested in selling beverages, uh, this is not the way to go, right? I mean, this guy believes in soccer. Now you see that throughout the world, and uh, you know here, but also in Germany and and obviously in Austria, but uh, they have committed to the sport, and I think. Um, you know, they've done a good job of being patient and continuing to invest. And obviously everyone on the ground and under you and your leadership have done a good job of building that trust that they need to continue to invest in it. And uh, it's coming home for them. So that's great. So let's let's move a little bit. Let's move up to today. Let's, well, let's move yeah. up to January. <laughs> Because yeah. it is the uh, it is the topic of the day, and so you're 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 in your offices. It's early January. You're planning on the 2020 season, and all of a sudden, boom! Everything changes. Oh. Walk us through what that was like from uh, being in your seat. It was. I mean, it's been somewhat surreal, right? We it was the 25th anniversary year for MLS, right? This year we come in. We've got a lot of great things going on. We do some great activations to launch our New Jersey. We go down to Florida. The team looks good. It's young. It's hungry. Chris is really, Chris, our head coach, Chris Armas, has really done a great job of engaging the players and setting ourselves up for success. We start the season pretty well. We win at home, and then we go on the road. Should have won that game. We end up tying, uh, and we feel things are going well. But we see this, the momentum of COVID picking up right globally. Uh, and as I told you earlier, at one point, I think it was late February or very early in March, we made a quick pivot and set up a COVID task force. And some people in the office were like, why are we doing this, Mark? This is, you know, it's, it's not going to happen. Don't worry. Uh, and we, we start setting up a process. Okay, how are we all going to work from home? Do we have all the right systems? Is our technology capable of handling the bandwidth that we're going to require for all home? Um and what we, we literally put buckets of, okay, what are priorities? What are nice to haves and what can we put on hold? Um, and we set up two distinct sort of 
priorities for the organization the moment we met that day, right? Number one was if it hits, our first priority will be to take care of our employees, keep them healthy, safe, protect our fans, make sure they're okay and our partners in the community. And number two was if we get to the point where COVID hits, we've got to make sure that our our protocols to keep our buildings clean, our facilities clean, our CDC or above standards. And those two things have sort of guided our decisions ever since. And we're, I'm proud to say that we're a team that hasn't laid off anyone. We've kept everyone employed uh, and engaged. Uh, and it's really something that we, were, we weren't going to touch, right? When I told the leadership team, the employee-related costs is a bucket we will not touch. So we're gonna have to save a lot of money because obviously the business model just changed quickly make sure you cut wherever we can and if we're going to have to cut into the bone we're going to have to do it to save everyone's employment and and our point of view there is that we know that they're our most valuable asset our staff and we really focused on making sure they're engaged as i told you earlier we're talking offline about the communication levels have been through the roof throughout the organization the teamwork the collaboration on how to pivot the business as you know, our training programs, you know, we run camps. We are the largest youth training program of any sport in North America. How do we take all that and do it virtually? We pivoted there. Our sales teams did a great job of coming up with a plan to make sure our season ticket holders, you know, weren't handcuffed into having to pay this year and not get anything out of it. So we rolled over everything. That was great. Our partners, we've engaged. We're providing them new opportunities and platforms virtually to gain value from the deals. Um, and it's it's been turned upside down, but as I told you, I think it's made us a better organization. And when we do come back to all being in the office, we're going to have to make sure that we maintain that level of communication, engagement. We have a newsletter twice a week going out to the staff with, everything that's going on around the organization. We have an all staff meeting every week also. And then the leadership team convenes every morning to set the standard for the day. And those are the things that we're going to have to implement once we're back face to face in, in our new reality, if we're ever all together, right? Who knows how it's going to end up being if we're going to have various shifts because we have all proven we can work from home and be really effective. So we came into 2020 expecting one thing. Now it's, Hey, we've got a tournament we got to go to to Florida, make sure the guys are prepared, and then come back and hopefully play as many games as possible uh, in front of fans or without fans. Uh, we still don't know that. That's, uh, I mean, and we talked a little bit about this before we went on uh, on the air here, but it, it's really refreshing. Uh, congratulations, kudos, not only you, but your whole staff for uh, realizing, you know, we're in a different day, we're in a different situation, we need to make this work. And it sounds like the commitment that everybody on your team is making to each other and to the mission is just is just unbelievable, really. I mean, I've just not heard this from anyone yet, and I'm sure there's some others out there. But uh, gosh, that's uh, that's enlightening. It's uh, refreshing. It's 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 really cool that you know you feel that way. Your people feel that way. They've uh, they've put all that work in. And I agree with your last point. I think this pays off, you know, uh, over and over again when, whenever we get back to playing, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. But there's going to be a lot of confidence in that organization knowing that, <clears throat> excuse me, you guys have been engaged. Uh, you've been preparing for whatever's going to happen. And now you're ready to go. So that's that's congratulations again on that. So let me, let me ask you a question, though. Players, everyone worries about players and um, – 
you know, they are a unique lot uh, players, but, and, and, and you mentioned earlier, you've had communication. Chris has had communication with them throughout this whole period of time, but they are on it. They're on a clock. They're on a body clock. They're on a training <laughs> clock. You know, they're constantly uh, sort of looking at their entire year and where they're supposed to be at any given point in time. Uh, how have they been as far as, you know, accepting the circumstances they're in and doing the work and now, you know, now they're going to play. I mean, how's everybody feel about uh, what they've seen so far? That's a, a really good question. I think let's start with the last piece. How do they feel about going to play? I think they're excited to go to Orlando, right? get back together. I think what the players miss most and you touched on it is, you know, as a player, you have your routine daily. You get up, breakfast, training facility, you're together. Uh, and it is truly a, sort of that team environment on a daily basis. So they missed all of that clearly. So Chris set up these Zoom calls with smaller groups, and then it would be those smaller, uh, larger groups. They still did. They tried to keep the routine as close to what it was before, poss as possibly uh, close as it was before. When you think about their video sessions, they had them daily with, you know, if they're looking at defenders, goalkeepers, all those things, they would have their video sessions and then they would have team training sessions, literally where our fitness coach would have all the guys on Zoom in their apartments or their house doing some form of work just so they could have that interaction. And then the players themselves set up sort of these coffee chats where they would get together just to get together via Zoom to stay connected. Um, so they were in shape. And we've been tracking where their fitness levels were at, you know, I'll say at the end of the first part of our season when we played uh, Salt Lake mm -hmm. and where they were when they came back. And most of them were at the same level, if not better. So it tells you that they were committed to the workouts we were giving them. And obviously with technology, as you know, they're inputting how they feel every day. So we get a, a sense of what their mood was uh, and their mood was always fairly positive. And as we're getting closer and closer to this tournament, things have just gotten much better. And they're excited. They're ready. Chris Chris has them tuned up and ready to go. We're going early to Orlando. We're leaving tomorrow. The team is leaving. So they have 10 days to prepare, get acclimated with the weather, the bubble environment uh, down in Orlando, and be ready for Atlanta on, on July 11th. It's hot. Bring some sunscreen and yes. bring a lot of cold towels, oh, yeah. man. It is it is it is full full on summer right now. It is unbelievable. They, they trained. They had a they practiced or had a scrimmage Sunday night at Red Bull Arena at ten thirty because they have a game at ten thirty down in Orlando. So they wanted to get their bodies acclimated to that. Um, and our captain has been really Sean Davis has been phenomenal. Community communicating with the players and with the staff uh, and integrating the players, as I told you over, over earlier on our all staff meetings, we integrated the players really drive connection. So they didn't feel, you know, isolated and alone. And I think it's helped get them so prepared to go down to Orlando. It must help as well to see Bundesliga, see EPL getting started again. I mean, if you're a player, you're like, Hey, let's, you know, they're starting in other places in the world. Let's get going here. Oh, 100%. I think everyone, you and I and everyone who's, who loves the game is so excited to see see soccer and see the league, yeah. right? We're going to be back, uh, and we're hopeful that it, it goes really well. And our team, you know, we've got fresh young legs, so the heat is obviously going to pay its toll on everyone, and hopefully our guys are, 
are fresh and energized. Yeah, we're excited for, you know, the, the women's league. Excited to, to see them go. Obviously, as you know, we're, we're partners with the Sky Blue and they yep. train at our facility. They've been training at our facility. Um, we would have hoped to see them at Red Bull Arena in the fall, but obviously they're, they're just doing their tournament. But it's exciting to see that happen. We're trying to get them on next week to, to, to sort of get an update on how's it going and the things they've learned from getting back out on the field. So that'll be uh, interesting if we can get it aligned. Obviously, they're also very busy, the same as you guys are. So yeah. uh, quickly, let's talk about the fans then. What, I mean, you got a lot going on. You're, you're communicating, you're planning, you're executing the best you can in these situations, and you've got a group of fans. And i got to believe you don't know – are we playing? Are we not playing after Orlando? Are we selling tickets? We're not selling tickets. Uh, what, what's, what's that like? Yeah, I think that's been also one of the biggest challenges for the staff is the uncertainty of, you know, COVID every day, the trends where it's going. So communicating with our fans, as I told you, we've been up front. You know, if, if you're not comfortable this season, whatever may happen, you can ask for a refund or roll it over to next year. Um, after Orlando, we're pretty confident we're going to get as many games as possible as we can in to have a, a, a real season and playoffs, and the league is working on that model. Um, but what we've done with our sales team and our, our services team is really they've been focusing on every day just a call checking in on our fans. How are you doing? How's your family? Because obviously their families have been impacted, right? We're in New Jersey and New York, one of the, the, the epicenter of this outbreak in the U.S., so we've really focused on just simply just, hey, checking in. Is there anything we can do for you, anything you need from us? And I think that's gone a long way with our fans to the point where some of them are saying, hey, I want to pay in full this year because I know it's going to help you keep your job. And they're really committing to helping the organization. So we've received so many great emails and notes or messages like that from uh, our st- our fans. It's really it reinforces that our strategy has been good, right? Over-communicate, care for them, take care of them, and do what's right. At the end of the day, we've told the sales team, you know what's right, just make that decision when you're on the phone call with that fan. Yeah, that's, 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 really, that's really good advice. I mean, and, and you're right, you're limited to what you can do, so over-communicating, uh, being mm-hmm. honest with them, caring about them because they care about you as well. I mean, those are things that – uh, I'm afraid others will, will overlook, but they're so crucial because it's going to come back as well. So, hey, great job with that. So, um, look, on the way in or this morning, I saw – this was <laughs> this is a question you weren't ready for. I saw you were e-champions. So yes. what, 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 what the heck does that mean to an old-timer like me? What's an e-champion? So, you know, the MLS has a, a – each team has an, a FIFA player that plays on the mm-hmm. on a, a console. Yep. So they have the the season where there is an EMLS Cup, and uh, our player George has been really great. Uh, we brought him in this year. He's he just went through the tournament and ended up in the finals and won the EMLS Cup, uh, which uh, is the second year or the third year the league has had it, I believe. Um, and it's think about it. There were sixty two thousand people watching this event Sunday, right? So that tells you the magnitude and the interest in eSports uh, and obviously eMLS. So it was pretty good for, for George, for our team uh, to, to win the cup here. Um, and it's just another way for us to connect with our fans. And hopefully these 
fans who are watching online, we can get them to engage with us and be in the stadium eventually, right? Because it's a younger audience and we'd like to get them to not only watch us online, but come out and see our, our players. But George is the best of the best. You know, he's, he's so really you mentioned, good. So you mentioned you brought George in. Is George compensated for what he does? Oh, yeah. He's under contract <laughs> with us, just like an athlete, just like a player. Absolutely. And, and was he a Red Bull fan or is he like a gaming expert that you've, you've branded? You, you bought him on the open market. No, he's, he's a Red Bull fan. So he, he, he goes to Adelphi or went to Adelphi, um, played soccer. I think he got injured, so couldn't uh, finish out his career playing soccer there. Um, he was always a fan of our team. And uh, our, uh, we have someone in that space that helped us connect with him. Um, and, yeah, it's just like any other athlete that you, you sign to your team, right? So he is... Uh, an athlete, an e-athlete for us, and he's been a great representative, uh, you know, virtually in the game and outside of the game. He's that, just a great awesome. young man. Uh, that's awesome, and I, I love the yeah. attention it's brought, you know, to MLS. I, I, in all seriousness, I did know that was the tournament was going on, and uh, although I'm not a player. Um, <laughs> Uh, I get it, and I, you know, I saw the stuff with NASCAR and the race car drivers as well, and I think it was a good placeholder. Will will it continue to grow? You think once you're back on the field, or was this a moment of uh, a ray of sunshine and it'll pass? No, I think it's been from the first year to now. It's been growing. Uh, you know, the content it generates for us online is phenomenal throughout the year, and George competes globally. Um, so I think it's going to keep growing as you've seen other sports franchises invest in in esports teams. Uh, this is just, uh, I think, the start of esports and the growth of it over the coming years. All right. Well, George is my new guy now, so yeah. I'm going to have to get a George jersey or something. I don't know. I'm <laughs> there we go. Figure that one out. Um, okay. So look, we're we're pushing the time. Uh, I've got a few things I'll, I'll hit. Uh, we can do this sort of quick fire. Uh, yeah. You don't have to go into too much detail. Um, team goals for Orlando. What will what will constitute success there? Playing in the last game of okay. the tournament. So it's a win or go it. home, right? Yep. Okay, That's good. It. I like it. Um, outlook for the rest of 2020. Deep down, what do you think really happens? I think we get through Orlando. It's a huge success for MLS. And then we come home and we play games, uh, you know, most likely – uh, I don't know yet if it's going to have some fans or no fans, but we're going to play games and have our season and have the playoffs and have an MLS Cup champion. When will MLS Cup uh, occur, do you think, now? Is it is it pushed back to, like, early December like it used to be? Yeah, I think if you, you know, logically, if you look at the timelines, it right. would have to be pushed back to early December. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a fair um, guess. Okay. Uh, this will be hard to quick fire, but – Walk us through youth ID and development at Red Bull New York. I really wanted to spend some more time on this, but uh, you know, what's sort of important and, and how do you all go about it? What's your philosophy, I guess? I mean, anything you can share. Yeah, so you know we have, uh, you know, for your audience, we have a youth development program that is legitimately the largest youth development program across all major league sports. Mm-hmm. So we, we touch about forty five to 50,000 kids a year in the metro New York area. So that is the base of sort of our development platform and youth ID. So we have coaches and scouts that look at these 45,000 kids. Then we identify usually the top, I'd say, 1,500 to 3,000 kids, put them in an elite development platform. 
And then from that 1,500 to 3,000 kids, we dwindle it to a smaller group, obviously, that we believe has the future potential of being a pro soccer player. And then we uh, enroll them in our academy uh, that's fully funded. So we have a, a network of coaches that manages these 40 to 50,000 kids. Then we have scouts also in the community that are looking at players. And that all funnels into our pyramid that leads to our academy and then our USL team and then the first team in MLS. Um, so it's probably the, the one thing we do, I'd say, best is this youth development platform. And it becomes basically a pipeline and a funnel for us to just find the best athletes and soccer players. You may have just answered my next last question. All right, two more. Um, in a normal year, if that's even possible to remember what that was like. In a normal year, what would your top two or three priorities be throughout the year? So, obviously, um, the fan experience, fan engagement, and growing, keep growing the engagement in the fan base is, is going to be a priority as we keep going and driving towards the World Cup, like I talked about earlier. Uh, number two is investing in uh, our, our human capital and our staff and making sure that we have the best staff uh, to execute on our strategies and help them develop our strategies. And number three is making sure that our, our infrastructure uh, remains uh, sort of a benchmark, uh, be it the stadium, the training facility, and everything we can provide uh, our players and our staff uh, to have the best experience, which ultimately translates back to that first point, which drives fan engagements, partner engagements, uh, and more people falling in love with the game and, and growing this game, ultimately. And are all the Red Bull clubs um, communicating or coordinating or, or looking for best practices uh, on the field and off the field with each other? Yeah. Uh, from uh, on the commercial side and the, and the sporting side, uh, there's weekly contacts, meetings uh, to make sure we're just leveraging best practices from around the globe. And it's it's one of the unique advantages we have in, uh, yeah. in, in soccer. Yeah. And la next to last one, what does Red Bull New York do better than anyone else? I'd say it's one, as I told you, our, our youth training programs, it's, it's – simply you know second to none we've had our the guy who runs it dave jervis he's been to the nba the nfl to talk about what we do um we we have set the standard there in terms of recruiting the right coaches the right standards and i think what really sets us apart there is that we don't solely focus on soccer but we focus on developing the player on the field and off the field through, uh, you know, leadership skills, anti-bullying, sensitivity training, and all those things that are really important, especially in today's age. So really proud of that. And I would say it's, it's unique to us. Absolutely. Awesome. Last question. And this has been great. Any great uh, stories or shenanigans to, to share with our listeners? I mean, there's so many, so many, <laughs> so many. I could just tell you that throughout this pandemic, we've had a little bit of fun in our meetings, either from, you know, doing some karaoke or or other skits and all that. And I'll tell you that our, our academy coaches, I mean, literally phenomenal. Uh, so we've seen all sorts of skill sets that we would have never found found out 
through our normal daily routine and, and people have been able to share and open up and it's great to see all this come together and we have some unique skill sets. Yeah. I want to come up and work for you guys. Uh, look, I really admire your work and your leadership at Red Bull New York and, and Mark, I want to thank you for taking time out in this busy time of the year uh, to come join us and share with our inside uh, soccer listeners Again, much success, and thank you for joining us. And I'm sure all of us will be following you closely now, and uh, we'll be looking for you to hoist uh, some trophies here at the end of the year. I appreciate the conversation, Bill. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Inside Soccer fans, tune in again Thursday. Invite a friend to listen for more MLS discussion. And be sure to catch all the past episodes, which can be found on www.insidetopsports.com. Thank you.